Welcome to The Rework with Allison Tyler-Jones, a podcast dedicated to inspiring portrait photographers to uniquely brand, profitably price, and confidently sell their best work. Allison has been doing just that for the last 15 years, and she's proven that it's possible to create unforgettable art and run a portrait business that supports your family and your dreams. All it takes is a little rework. Episodes will include interviews with experts from in and outside of the photo industry, mini workshops, and behind-the-scenes secrets that Allison uses in her portrait studio every single day. She will challenge your thinking and inspire your confidence to create a profitable, sustainable portrait business you love through continually refining and reworking your business. Let's do the rework. Have you ever considered that your business is a luxury portrait studio, even if you don't think you are? Well, that's the opinion of today's guest, Mary Fisk Taylor, president of PPA and owner of Hayes and Fisk Portrait Studio in Richmond, Virginia. She's here today and we are going to be talking books. We're going to be talking about luxury clients. We're going to be talking about doing less, but better, making every portrait session count and everything in between. Can't wait. MFT, you're here. I'm here. I'm here. ATJ together. I know. I don't think the world is ready for this podcast. I don't know. If they're not ready, they better get ready though. Yeah. (laughs) Ready to buckle up for this. I like it. I love it. Well, I so appreciate you taking the time. I know at the moment you are extremely busy woman as president of Professional Photographers of America. You are in your presidential year, visiting all the places and doing all the things. And one thing that I really was most excited about having you, other than your glittering, hilarious personality, of course, but I wanted to talk about the concept of the luxury portrait studio. Okay. So... What does that mean to you? Do you see your studio that way? I know that you probably haven't always seen it that way. Mm-hmm. And what has that evolution looked like for you? Ah, I like this question a lot because this is something that is super relevant to where we are right now. It's something that obviously my business partner, Jamie Hayes, and I worked really hard to plan for, for a lot of reasons. So I'll start by this. First of all, I am under the belief that because everybody that I know has a phone that has a camera on it, that the day you decide to charge for your prints or charge for your images, you become a luxury brand because it's available 24 seven, 365, right? We all have a camera. Everybody takes, everybody takes, you know, cute pictures of their family, their kids, their dogs, their friends, whatever. So we're all luxury businesses. If we're in the photography market to own photography studios. So I, that's how I feel. So I don't care if you're selling school packages or pictures or sports, or you're charging, you know, $50,000 for oil paintings, you're in the luxury business. So beyond that piece, Yes, I do consider us a luxury brand for that reason and beyond. So we did choose, so our studio is 27 years old. And when we opened our studio 27 years ago, and it's a home-based studio, Mm -hmm. um, not my home, Jamie's home, not my husband, but my business partner, Jamie Hayes. (laughs) Let's clarify. (laughs) Can we just clarify all the things at the top of the podcast? Yeah, get them all cleared up. You know, the, the thing is, is that we opened the doors charging $125 $125 for an eight by 10, 27 years ago. Wow. So, and that's, so that was high then. That was high yeah. then. And we haven't gone up that much in the past yeah. 27 years. 
and we definitely have, but you would think it would be a lot exponentially It's not like $700 no, right now. Yeah, it's not. It. And the good thing is, is Allison, by having, and I think you'll agree with this, having great affiliate or associations with PPA or other ones out there, having good mentors that taught me from day one what I needed to charge to be mm-hmm. profitable and that it was okay to charge appropriately, definitely we got off on the right foot because I had that. I give all the grace to Anne Monteith, who was my original mentor and taught me yep. all the stuff. Yep. So that's where it comes from for me. So you you come along and we, you know, we're doing business and we're working really, really hard. And I I tell this story and I apologize, but I'll tell it one more time. And that's not true. I'm sure I'll tell it more. But I'll never forget a few years ago, several years ago, waking up and we had come off our biggest year ever. We had been running about seven figures for a full decade. I mean, this is big for us, right? We're making mm-hmm. a lot of money. And I hit every goal. I was just killing, we were killing it. Mm-hmm. And I woke up like on January 6th and I couldn't get out of bed. Like I literally felt like I had on cement shoes. <laughs> like were you I sick? Not, I was not sick. I could not figure out what was wrong with me. And I had to really dig deep. And this is where that book mindset came into play for me, mm. you know, several years ago. But I just was tired. And I was, I thought, because you know what happens when the clock you hit midnight on December 31st, you know what happens? Everything goes back to zero. (laughs) And I, the looking at the fact that I had to start over with all my goals and all my sessions and all my numbers, I just couldn't do it, Allison. Like I literally did not think I could get out of bed and do photograph one more kid or do one more Mm -hmm. sales session. I just couldn't do it. And so, so what had led you to that point? Like, were you doing higher volume? Like I I need to, I have not heard the story. Yeah. So So the story is what I figured out after really doing some real deep soul searching, there was a few things. One was I needed to to shift into a growth mindset. The second piece was I needed to be more intentional with my money and spending, which is when I started practicing and studying profit first. But more importantly, what I realized is we did not have to photograph 250 or 300 sessions for that money that Mm. we could do 110 or 120 and make the same amount of money. But I had to get my mind set that we could do it. Okay. Because I was working so hard for smaller sales and you know how that is. It's frustrating. You don't feel as appreciated and you don't, right? all yeah, the things. It's, it's hilarious that you, you don't feel appreciated and you're kind of mad at your client. And yet who set the price? Me. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like we get, it's, and then you realize you really are mad at yourself. Yes. You set it up wrong or whatever. Oh, it's totally my fault. Totally my fault. Yeah. And so what I needed to do was come up with a really good structure that, we could grow our business in a different direction. And guys, that doesn't mean that we don't have sessions that they just want to come in because they need a, a headshot or they just want an eight by 10 this year for grandma or whatever. That that definitely happens. But I became incredibly intentional with my scheduling so mm. that those type of sessions were only available like at Thursday at three or next Tuesday at you know one. I wasn't going to work weekends or evenings, take time away from my family, sure. myself, my friends to go out for you know those smaller sales. And I worked really hard to identify my ideal client. I did not have a a very solid foundation or picture of the client that I want to serve. And I needed to do that in order to make this work. Okay. I just want to pause you for one second. So what you're saying is you woke up and with cement galoshes, Mm -hmm. you're like, just like, I can't face one more, stare down the barrel of one more year. 
So you realize that there needed to be mindset growth. That looked like a book by Carol Dweck called Mindset, which we both totally Mm -hmm. love, right? Mm -hmm. Then you got intentional about your spending with the profit first. And I know you've done a lot with that. And I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. But up to this point, you've been doing higher volume. So 250 to 300 sessions a year. And so basically we're just taking everything that comes, that calls. Yeah, that I calls. wasn't... Like just, let's just take everybody that comes. Kind of. It was that whole philosophy. And I heard it a lot, by the way. And I probably said it, to be honest with you. If I could get them in the door, I know I can sell to them. Sure. Yeah. And I could. But I yes. would sell to them a couple hundred, a couple hundred dollars, or maybe a you know a thousand, two thousand dollars. Yeah, and that's a lot of work for what we give. Mm. Well, this sounds mm. weird, but for what we do give, my time was not being spent the way I, I know it deserved to be spent. Right, and I don't think as you pause when you say that you're kind yeah. of like maybe this sounds bad or whatever. Yes. You're not, what you're not saying, <laughs> like I think my time is so valuable. I'm not getting out of bed for less than ten thousand dollars. No, what you're saying is that we, and this is true, I think of portrait photographers as a whole because I think we love people. We're carers, we're nurturers, you know, nice guys and women, and we kill ourselves for our clients. We do, and I'm such an empath too that like I literally like makes me sick. You know what I mean? Like yeah, anything we, they need and want, and yeah, uh, we just have to kill. So, and then we're not super great at throttling the love. Like we just <laughs> only have one speed of love. There's yes. it's all the love. It's the full gate open. So what we have to throttle, we have to learn to throttle is the access. Yes, exactly. Thank you for putting, I couldn't figure out how to word it, but thank you. Yes. The access to me, that's what needed to be to really geek. Because once they have access to you, MFT is not rolling. Like she's not rolling many sessions. No, I'm not. You're just rolling 150%. Yeah. So that's kind of what I discovered too, is I realized like I can't do anything halfway. I only do it full bore. I would try, I would sell it for half price and think I was going to do less. Couldn't do it. Still Mm -hmm. had to do the full thing. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. And you know, you, you know, we tried things that, you know, we had a lot of people coming in the door, but it just wasn't right. So I immediately, one of the, besides the book and besides profit first, sitting down and really identifying the customer that I want to serve was super important to me. And I did that strictly by listening to my ideal clients. So you get those ones in the door, you know, Phil M. Jones will call it those big fish, right? You get Mm -hmm. those big fish in the door and I want more of you. So instead of like leaning into them and asking questions so I could find more of them, I would just get excited about them and then be disappointed that the next 10 were not them. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So I needed to fix that. I needed to be more intentional. So really leaning in, listening to where did they get their haircut? Where did they have their children? Pediatrician schools, zip codes, neighborhoods, and refining my marketing to those areas and, and really kind of fishing into those ponds and not just like a Groupon or something that just gets right. you know, sprayed out into the public and you cross your fingers and hope you get a good one. Mm. Well, and I would imagine that your messaging was slightly different than yes. too. But right. well, story became- brand came into my life then too. Okay. So yes, ever the learner came very, yes, you and I both like <laughs> you and I are very, that's one person I can always rely on to give me a good book referral. <laughs> um, so story brand came into my life at that point too. And I thought, oh gosh, I just did not realize how my marketing was failing you know, mm. miserably. Cause you sit back, Allison, right? You sit back and you're like, I'm making this much money and I have this many sessions and everybody loves me. We're always voted the best of, and then and I'm like, why am I sitting here rocking myself to sleep <laughs> in tears? <laughs> what in the world? It's just too much because it's too much. It needs to be more special and, and less 
I found like for me, I wanted more time with less people. Mm. Yeah. You know, so that's what I found like I, rather than, because I did like the same thing, like in 2010, we kind of did like, I did the mini session. So I, I had the brilliant idea at the depth of the recession to do mini sessions in November. Wow. And that's, I'd almost literally almost killed me. But then I realized <laughs> actually, I don't know how to do anything halfway. I only know how to do hundred percent. And actually I want to do it 200%. Right. But there's a lot of things that are preventing me from doing it 200% in that I'm trying to do hundred percent for somebody that doesn't want to hundred percent. They only want 10%. Like they, yes. they only want a 10, eight by 10. They only want holiday cards. And it's like, that's just a complete waste of like, that's overkill. You don't need me for that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I love that you did that in November. I was actually talking to somebody about that very thing the other day. And I'm like, well, you know, they don't put school supplies on sale in August. I know. It's so stupid. (laughs) I know. I just, when I think about that, I'm just like, oh my gosh. Well, you think, oh, but lots of people will come. And that's, that was the mentality I had. It's the same thing by, you know, getting lots of people in, it was going to all even out and it did. Mm -hmm. And look, I am not I don't want to come off as one of these people. I'm not complaining. I'm grateful that I have a studio that I have and I make the money we make and everything. But I just, for my well-being, could not continue at that pace. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Well, and I think it's a timely topic because we've just come off of it. I don't know if you've noticed, but did oh, you, had you heard that there that was actually thing? a pandemic last wow. year? What? There was. <laughs> and I think people are making some serious reevaluations in their life of like workforces are changing big. And, but I don't think that the entrepreneurs are exempted from that. I think a lot of us are looking at our businesses and saying, are we creating to our highest and best good? Are we making what the work that takes us so much time and effort to do, is it being used to its highest and best use? Or are we creating? disposable imagery for people that don't really care and just need some stuff to throw up on Instagram or whatever. Which is fine. That's fine. If you want to be a content photographer, that's a very, very different lane than I'm in. And there's nothing wrong with it, by the way. It's just not the lane that I wanted to be in. And you're right. The changes that we've, we've all are looking at, and we made changes from the pandemic as well. I mean, we made some major changes that honestly, I thought we were going to make anyway, because of moving into my presidency with PPA. I knew I'd be traveling, but I do not want to be a volunteer that loses her mind and loses her business at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, I was already working on more of a frictionless system and the pandemic just forced me to implement it sooner than I expected. So that's been cool too. So let's move into that. So, you know, moving off of that year and and really refining the customer I want to serve, leaning into story brand, being intentional with access to MFT or Jamie, whatever that is, those were all super important things. Then what happened when we went frictionless this year or tried or had were forced to, quite frankly, Virginia was shut down for three months. So we yes, were non-essential were. for three months. And I'm a big rule follower. And so we were shut down. And but what I knew that I could do is I could come up with a way to start having my consultations online. Now I was scared to death. If you had asked me a couple of years ago about having consultations and sales sessions online, I would have told you you're bonkers mm-hmm. that they had to come in and have the whole experience. But I knew I had to figure something out. So I curated these little boxes (laughs) that had my products that I want to sell. So it only had sample canvas and sample paint, little painted canvases in it, um, which I had little three... Three by three canvases printed in white, our lab, my lab, White House Custom Color. And I had a canvas and then I had just one that was digitally painted. And I had one that actually Jamie went in and like took a little paintbrush and painted. Mm-hmm. And then I had leather swatches. So they understood my 3XM folio boxes or my White House albums, how they felt like. Mm-hmm. And then we had some locally curated like coffee, tea, 
type stop. stuff. Right. So I started reaching back out and saying, we can go ahead and schedule our consultation now. And I would have the box couriered over to them or mailed, however, or I'd drop it on their doorstep if they were close by or something. Sure. But all frictionless, we would hop on and I'd say, please try to be on your, you know, your phone is fine, but if you have an iPad and I would ask them to walk around their space and I would just be screenshotting the walls on my laptop, right? So I'm screenshotting mm. because we always ask for those images anyway. You know, yep. they were bringing them in and I know you use ProSelect. I, you know, I'm using yep. all that RoomView stuff, but I needed, I was getting that and I was taking the screenshots and I'm putting them away. And then I'm sitting down and I'm talking to them about the finishes. We're talking about investment, all the stuff. And the cool thing is, is that it worked. Like it actually worked. Now people were home here. You know, right. so they were desperate to talk to someone besides their children. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So I was a refreshing change. Does, does this consultation require me to lock my children in my room? <laughs> no. Because I am totally down with that. Exactly. They require like, hey, them to goodness. be in chains. Like, exactly. Thank what goodness. kind of chains do they need to have? I know. Yeah. What do you recommend doing? How, what cage do you recommend for my children while we have this consultation? So exactly, they were working. And then, you know, when we could open up, we were doing mostly in our garden outdoor sessions, which that's what we're pretty much known for anyway. They would get out of the car. I'd photograph them. They'd get back in the car and then we'd hop on a Zoom. I'd say, okay, do you have that box? Yeah, I got it. And then we would go through and we would start the sale and I'd have the images and I would have their images on the wall, just like I did in person. And I did it all like we were in person. I'm like, all right, sit down. You know, you want to have a glass of wine, a cup of coffee, hot tea, whatever. Let's sit down, you know, Diet Coke and yep. um, let's dig in. And I just did not skip a beat. It's kind of like 3000 years ago or 1998 when we went <laughs> digital fully in 2000, but we didn't want to change anything differently than when we were film-based. Meaning sure. I did not want to learn how to retouch. I did not want to learn how to process. I didn't want to learn how to print just because I could now. Mm-hmm. So I treated this system the same way. I didn't want to forego the little treats and I didn't want to forego the images. I didn't want to forego them being able to touch and feel our product lines and all this stuff. So I tried to make it as similar to in-person as I possibly could. And it worked. It worked beautifully. Actually. Okay. I have questions. All right. Okay. But I know my listeners will have some questions. Okay. So did, are you getting the samples back from them so ever, no. or did they keep them? So the, the thing is, is that I would say that over half the people that got the box were like, these are so nice. I'll, dr- I'll bring it back. And then I had several people just drop it by our doorstep because they were like, this is so Cute. nice. I'm sure you want it back. That box cost me $17.50. So my ROI on that needed to be pretty high, right? So I'm sure. obviously talking about a different... I mean, we're talking about a different space here. We're not sending these out for someone who tells me they want an eight by 10 or, you know, whatever. This is a different, different Important space. to clarify. Yes. yes. Yeah. So those are expensive. And so I knew that they would only go out to people that wanted to commission us. So, okay. So hold please. So these aren't going out before the consultation. No, they would. So if I had somebody that reached out and said, you know, I saw my neighbor's portrait and I wanted to get a family portrait and I would look them up and Zillow would do the whole thing and then talk to them. And if if we're talking about designing for above the fireplace and they have a base understanding of what that investment starts at, Mm -hmm. I would definitely send them a box for the consultation. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So that there takes some work. So the thing is, Allison, you know, I woke up that morning and I started shifting and changing my business. You always say shift happens, right? So we're shifting and changing the business. And what I wanted to move into more was predominantly commissions so that that's what I was going to focus on and serving that client. But I think I work as hard mentally or harder mentally than I did back when I was doing 300 sessions, but I enjoy it because the payoff's so much better. 
So it's still a lot of work. Yeah. But less moving pieces. Yes. And I think it's exactly, it's less people. And I think that one thing that people need to realize that I didn't realize until I heard, I don't even remember who it was, but I heard some portrait photographer that does like larger commission pieces, what you're talking about. And she said, you know, my phone's not ringing off the hook. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I, cause you know, you, we sit in classes, right. And everybody's like, get your phone to ring, get your phone to ring. But I realized like, oh no, this is a less, but better situation. Oh, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. It is hard. It's really hard. Coming because, off of like looking at your schedule and it being like a kaleidoscope of color yes. and sessions and your phone ringing, your email box full to being like, that is hard. It's hard to settle into that silence and sit there yeah. and be okay. Not being booked out for three months or whatever. Yep. Well, know? and it triggers every uh, neuroses oh. known to, to a creative. Like yes. I'm going to be at a van down by the river. Yeah, yep. that guy spent that much money, but the next guy's never going to. And all of a sudden, they're going to realize like the jig is up. Mm-hmm. She's a fraud. We're yep. never going there again. What were we thinking? You know, mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. But no, not really. You Doesn't know, happen. It, yeah. yeah. And not everybody wants to do business this way, but we're we're us, and we're going to talk about this. So. Okay. So the box, so just let me see if I understand correctly. So you're having that first phone call from new marketing that has been extremely targeted with story brand messaging that has yes. gone out to like a new, uh, not necessarily new, but a more narrow targeted clientele. Very so much so. Somebody comes to you, they call, and then you're having that initial conversation and determining that, yes, they do in fact want to proceed with a custom piece of painting or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then the courier goes, they drop the thing, you have the appointment, and then they're sitting there opening that. Are you doing anything ahead of time to prepare them for like what they need to be doing? Like they should not be driving their car in no, the carpool lane with their kids when they're in the Zoom call. Yeah. That is a good. few things. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very clear that the, the Zoom call needed to be while they were at home because I needed to see their space. I needed to see their home because I couldn't go into a site visit. I, you know, they were in mm-hmm. COVID, right? So yep. I needed them to be home. I needed them to be able to focus on it and give me 30 minutes to really to do this. And if there was anybody else that was going to help make the decision, have them with them. So if dad needed to be there or their designer or decorator or that next door neighbor, whatever, I just needed everybody to be there. So it was very clear. And I did have a few that, oh, I forgot I'm running late. I said, you know what? It's not a problem. Let's not do this while you're in the car. We will just reschedule. I mean, I had nothing but time. I was sitting at home. It was COVID. So I will reschedule that. I'm not going to try to rush through a consultation on Zoom hoping they're driving the car. You know what I mean? That's just, yeah. that's not No, because I had one where we did, we rescheduled it like three times and it ended up, they were on an iPad in the parking lot of the restaurant that they were going to go to dinner at looking at the stuff. And I'm like, this is just not okay. Like it's Mm -hmm. never going to work out. Okay. But they kind of wouldn't take no for an answer. Like we're not, you know, we're not going to reschedule this because it'd been so hard to schedule them. And I realized I need to be more proactive out ahead of this. Like if if you can't be home, if you don't have time to focus, we'll just reschedule. In other words, we're not doing it. Exactly. And that probably was a turnoff for some and I'm okay with that. I mean, that's another thing you have to get comfortable with when you decide to shift your business, whatever it is, guys, if you're shifting from digital to products, you're going to have to get comfortable with people not liking that. You're going to have to get comfortable Mm -hmm. with people not accepting your vision for your company. But guess what? It's your vision, your company. So it's okay. So me making this shift into commissions was a long, it was, you know, it didn't happen overnight, obviously. Mm -hmm. And did I lose some clients over it? Absolutely. You know, we were no longer available on a Saturday just because you wanted to come in and do holiday. It just wasn't going to happen. 
for, right. for me anymore. But the online system worked. And you know, the one thing is, is that where there's some glitches, yes. And do some people still like to come in and be in person? Sure. But the good news is, is that so many of my clients, I've had several say, wow, it's so much better for the environment. I'm not out in my car driving mm-hmm. around. Because you know, if you think about it, I was asking them to come to my studio for a consultation, the session and the sales appointment. That was three trips to my studio. Mm-hmm. I don't go to the grocery store that many times in a month. That seemed like a yeah. lot. That's a big ask. So they well, didn't especially have- if you're in a metropolitan area too. Yeah. Like if you're in LA or New York or any oh, like, I can't imagine. Know, these bigger oh. areas, like forget it. They they can't do it. And so oh. many mm-hmm. photographers just are like, well, my clients want to do a consultation, so they don't do it. But uh, I think this is so helpful. This is gonna be so great because and you don't even have to have a space, you don't have to have a studio space to do this. So all the photographers exactly. out there who don't have a studio, guess what? You still can do amazing consultations and sales online. You don't have to have a physical space. And yeah, if you were in a big if we were in a bigger city, it would be even more valuable. Chicago, whatever, to my clients. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Well, and let me back you up for just a little second where you were saying. I did lose clients or, you know, you have to be okay that people don't like it or don't accept it. And I think, you know, I know I love Tim Walden. We like like quote him all the time, but you know, where he says it's more important for them to understand what I do than for them to like it. And so it sounds like what you did is you just got incredibly clear in your own mind, like, okay, I can't wake up every January feeling like I'm weighed down by cement. Mm -hmm. I have to enjoy my life more. And really you're not doing those 250 to 300 sessions that you were shooting in that year. I think we could probably look back and say, was I really doing my best for them? Well, I was probably doing my best, but maybe it wasn't as special because I was so burned out. Like hundred percent, not that you didn't love them. You did, but you were like, move it along. Like, what are we doing here? You know, it can be a little bit more rote, right? Oh yeah. When there's less people and you're doing like, you know, we do probably 80 to a hundred every single year. I'm excited to see those people. I mean, too. Like it's more, it is more special. Not that I wasn't excited before, but it's different. It is different. And I have more energy and more time to spend with them and more patience, quite frankly. Here I've created this entire heirloom, you know, milestone map, right? And I'm preaching to my clients, you know, these milestones not to be missed and they have to have a haze and fist portrait and they would drag their kid in there all, you know, haircut, new outfit on. And I'm exhausted because I've already photographed three other ones right before you. You're just you're in a line. So that was another thing. You're exactly right. I was working hard and I, and I did my best, but we're human beings. You only have so much energy to give. It feels good to only have one session a day or maybe even one a week, depending on the time of the year. And it's just a, it's a whole different concept, but it's one that we, you know, we nurtured and nurtured and nurtured and changed and just really fell into, it's just so much easier. So So has it changed your busy season? Like, do you feel like that it's kind of spread it out a little bit more? So you're not so piled up in that fourth quarter. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, my fourth quarter can like not last year, obviously, because that was our biggest one. But the year before my fourth quarter was my slowest quarter because my families were coming in earlier. They were coming in before the kids went back to school. We really lean into that 18 summers, you know, before your family changes Mm. forever. So leaning into that type of messaging and being clear about how important that is before kids started to school, we were getting all of, we were so much busier all along. And I would really push the spring because the weather's nicer, at least here in Virginia. Um, So my fourth quarter is as even as the others. Now, first quarter is still always a little bit slower, Mm -hmm. but my second, third and fourth quarter are almost, almost even. 
which I think is really interesting. And you're not the only person I've heard that from that has gone a little bit more, you know, that little bit higher end. Yeah. I think that's an interesting thought. And, and I found the same thing. We still are have a busier fourth quarter, I think, because we do a big, cards. the holiday card is just yeah. still like, you know, are you doing holiday cards? You know, I don't. Um, I, yeah, I really wish I could have the energy that you did. I love your cards and I love, I just... It's just, I will, I do sell them and I will obviously reach out to all my clients that we, that bought a portrait or a portrait album that year, if they want me mm-hmm. to create cards for them, but I use the White House <laughs> card editor and yeah. it's all online and easy peasy drop ship. Hey, and that's I, how you should do it. If you're not going yeah. to, for us, it's just full disclosure for us. I had to make a very similar decision that you made with your work yeah. in 2016. I was like, I can't do cards anymore. It's just too much work. Mm-hmm. You can't charge enough for them and custom concept and all that. And so we we literally went with intention, really changed that entire structure and had to raise the price on it and completely restructure it. So I get where you're going. So we're doing less, we're doing less, but better. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so exactly. So it's, just, it, you made a decision, but, and did you lose clients when you made that decision? Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you would have, or people would come less often. So right. I, I think that's the thing. Everybody is so, so afraid. Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose the clients. They're going to leave en masse and, you know, have like a protest in my parking lot. But what happens is that they're just like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. So let me figure out how that fits in with my life. If it's more expensive, maybe we come every other year. Maybe we buy less things. You know, maybe we focus instead of doing 95 small portraits because we don't want to make a decision. Maybe we'll actually make a decision this year and do something big like you've been telling me to do for the last 10 years, you know? <laughs> right, right. Because that's what we really want him to do anyway, is we want it to be special. We want it to be big. And so we're changing how we talk about it. We're changing how we think about it. And then they can decide how they want to interact with us. And, and it doesn't have to be adversarial. It doesn't have to be like, well, unless you can pay this, I'm not even going to let you in my studio. That's no. not how it works. It, it never is. And nor do we ever, ever talk to anybody that way, quite frankly. But no, it's a first, And I'm always, I'm always okay with the fact that it might not be a right fit for them right sure. now. And I like the right now piece. And I, I kind of remind people to remember, just because they said no today doesn't mean that's no forever. It's just not right now. We all have clients that have said no in the past that came back and ended up being our better of our biggest sales of the month or year. Yep. No, I mean, just because it wasn't right then, it doesn't mean it's not ever going to be right. So that's my thought on that. I, you know, I, it's hard to get comfortable with it. And, you know, people might say, well, that's okay. Could you been in business longer or you are, you know, no guys, look, I didn't even mean to become a photographer. This isn't even where I was supposed to end up in my brain. <laughs> no, I'm not any different than anybody else out there. I am not afraid of hard work. And I, I lean into and I found great mentors and invested in my education. And then just being open, having my mindset that I can do it is kind exactly. of the biggest hurdle of all. Well, and it's funny because this week there's a photographer in our area that was like, the shiznet, like back in the day, he was just uh-huh. like the guy. Right. And I had him photograph my kids and he was just like, I just so admired him and was, I was the one like, Oh, if I could just be a fly on the wall and watch you shoot, I could assist and whatever, you yes. know, I just loved him, but he was always like just a te- the teensiest bit high-handed anyway, mm-hmm, uh, a little mm-hmm. bit condescending, but anyway, love him, mm-hmm. but he was anyway. So as our business has grown and he's kind of retired and all that, he kind of will come over to our framer that's right across our hallway and he'll come in and look around and be like, Oh, wow. I could never sell that. Oh, wow. You know, 
brick and mortars. I mean, you guys are the only ones left. Like nobody is a brick and mortar studio anymore. Like nobody, like, you know, that all the millennials, they only want digital files. Like nobody is printing. Like, I don't know how much longer you guys are going to be able to do this. When I went into my first studio, 2009, the depth of the recession opened that studio and he comes walking through "Hmm, interesting time to open a studio. So every time he would walk into my studio, here's this guy that I've loved forever admired saw him as the gold standard and he's coming in and like poking holes at me and I always just like I would have an altar afterward like maybe we shouldn't be doing this like nobody's doing brick and mortar anymore so he comes in this last week and he starts the same conversation again and I just realized I finally saw it for what it was is that he's just looking for reasons why it didn't work for him or exactly even though it did work for him he had a great business but It's just like, he can't just say, well, maybe that could be, or how could that be true for me? Right. And so I, what I would love is anybody that's listening to this today that feels like maybe their ears are closing on like, well, that will work for them, but Mm -hmm. it couldn't work for me. Maybe just think, well, could it? And how could it? Rather than that it won't, because there is a lot of that negativity going around. And you and I both are educators and we love photographers and how many amazing, talented gorgeous work photographers have you Mm. seen who just aren't charging enough and running around, running themselves into the ground? A hundred percent. I mean, I love that story you told because we all kind of, I I have very similar stories for, first of all, when we started out, you know, so many years ago, well, y'all are young. You'll see, you'll see. And Mm -hmm. now I'm like, well, now we're old. So now Mm -hmm. what is it? Because we're still doing it. So (laughs) here you go, buddy. Mm. But no, it breaks my heart, um, Allison, to see it. And here again, here goes my, you know, empathetic, you know, soul coming in. But when I see people who are so, I mean, just so excited and motivated and doing beautiful work and just do not understand the value of what they're creating. And, you know, it's kind of like, I always like try to compare it to like a landscape architect and you, you get this cause you, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, I don't hire a landscape architect and just ask them to, and what I want you to do is I want you to do your whole song and dance. I want you to show me everything that you would do in this garden. And then maybe I'll buy something from you. I might buy a bush. I might buy something from you. But that's what we do every time we pick up our camera and we design and photograph for a client, a family or whatever. We do us, we're like a performing little monkey out there. And we're out there photographing and we we show them our work and we're so proud of the big, look at what we did for you. Well, maybe they'll buy something. And that was probably one of the hardest things for me at coming off that terrible year, or that was a great year, but ended up being a terrible first of the year was I'm not going to do that anymore. I am not going to get out here and perform like a clown mm-hmm. and hope you're going to throw some money at me. I'm better than that. Yeah. You're not shitting on spec. There's no reason. And there's no reason to do it. But there's no other industry that works like that. None. We all need to stop. Look at me. I'm getting really preachy. I'm getting, you should see my hands. They're flying right now. Do it. Yes. You know, being my hand talking, but gosh, guys, stop. You were just doing, I mean, you know, how many people, I mean, I don't know about you, Allison, but I mean, we lost so many clients last year and the family members coming in and picking up what we did. And don't tell me that what we do is not essential, but don't tell me that what we do isn't incredibly important. And the longevity of it, it's going to last beyond that landscape architect, what he did. Like what we do is so crazy important. Yeah. Well, and, and the ability to do it to our highest level, Mm -hmm. you know, so, and to have space and time to hear people, to listen to their stories, to see them for who they truly are, and then be able to capture something in the way that only you could, or the way that only I can to help them see their family in a new way. 
and have the time to make all that happen and then make that for their home. And it's really not about us, even though it kind of is like, it's really just about how can we serve them to the very, very best of our ability and just make it amazing. Yeah. And anybody listening, when you decide to embrace this and, and, and shift into this and look, like you mentioned, we sell a lot of paintings. That's kind of what we're known for. Mm -hmm. We're in the Southeast. It's very popular. My market will bear it. It's, it works. You sell, you know, amazing, you know, large canvases guys, you don't have to paint it to put a good price on it, by the Mm -hmm. way. I've heard that a lot. Well, you sell paintings. That's why you have such high sales. There's always a reason why you, why somebody else can do it and you can't. And that's not true. I mean, you know, I mean, Tim Walden's black and whites are priceless, right? We we might as well keep on, but you know, (laughs) I would, I mean, he should charge a million dollars because of what he evokes and gets. I hope that some people look at my work and feel the way I would feel when Tim photographed, you know, my family or you or excitement and it can be done. And honestly, Richmond's not a huge town. It's big enough. It's bigger than, you know, it's a mid, good mid-sized town. But now we have people driving from Northern Virginia or Virginia Beach or Charlotte. So they're driving an hour, hour and a half because of what we offer and what we do. And so um, cool. it's, it's awesome. And that's also where that online or the frictionless sales and consultation really helps mm-hmm. build that business because... I'm sorry. I wouldn't drive up and down to 95 more than once for anybody. <laughs> so yeah, I love <laughs> asking that. them to do that. It seems unreasonable. <laughs> Ooh, I have a question for you too. Um, yeah. So on the zoom call, when you're doing like say the sales session and they're mm-hmm. viewing images, when you're showing that, are you watermarking those at all so that they are not screenshotting uh, them? Yeah. You know what? I did not. Okay. Wow. Thank you. I did not even think about that because my mind rule follower, I, I know. did not think about that. Cause I and had a, a, then I saw a little it. bit of a nasty yeah. experience. Me too. I did not even, I didn't pursue it, but I saw it and you can't unsee it once you saw it. Yeah. So unfortunately now when we're doing online, I am watermarking them, um, yeah. which you can do very easily in the sales software that I use, which is ProSelect. And so, yes, I have started doing that. Because, yeah. Okay. I love it. Well, and that was, sorry, that was a little bit like a break out there, but you know what? We are nothing if not practical. We don't, we, we don't, we don't speak in platitudes, you and I. We <laughs> We're not. like boots on the ground. How can we make this happen? <laughs> so I think bottom line in all of this is when you hear, if you recoil at the concept of luxury, or if you feel like in some way that that's excluding, not, not in the good exclusive way, but in the excluding way, mm-hmm. it really isn't. It, it maybe think, how could I, how can I make it more special? How can I make this either the same or more of what I'm making now with less by making the experience more and making, yeah. so just opening your mindset to that. So I want to segue here into our favorite topic of all, as we close this out, okay. which is of course books. Books. Yay, books. Yay, books. <laughs> so Mindset by Carol Dweck, I think that is something that every human being should read uh-huh. just because I think it does help you get out of your own way in a big, at a big time. Mm-hmm. So that was one that you mentioned. And then obviously we are big Mike Michalowicz fans. So we love yes. Profit First, The Pumpkin Plan, all those things. Clockwork, all of them. Uh, what, yep. what to do next. Just, yep. Yeah. What to fix is it what to fix? What next? to fix next? Yeah. yeah. I haven't read that one yet, but I'm going to. I have it. So what else? What else do you feel like was great that we well, think- story brand? Donald Miller was a yes. huge impact on my life. So to the point where that bless his heart. I mean, I like stalked him. I went to Nashville, spent two weeks, <laughs> became a certified story brand guide. Like I, I love, it. love it. And um, he just came out with a new book actually as well. Yeah. And I a business made simple. Any- yes. Well, business no, after business made simple, really? actually. Okay, I'm looking it up. Keep talking yeah. about other books while I find it. Um, so I I, lo- I fell in love with Phil M. Jones. I, lo- 
like his oh, books. Yeah? They're super easy to read. I just, some of the things that he taught, he talks about the fish and keeping the, you know, the fish and then, you know, what to say. I learned a lot from his books. Those were huge for me. I don't know why. I guess they just, I reread them all the time, but um, yeah. I really like his books a lot. You but know, I love I, things I that you time. can revisit. That's super good. So Phil M. Jones. Yes. We're going to, I'll link to all this in the show notes too. Anything else? Yes. So have you read the, well, yeah, you have B2.0 with Jim Collins and Bill Lazier. Uh, oh, Beyond the- Entrepreneurship. No. Beyond Entrepreneurship, Turning Your Business into an Enduring Great Company with Jim Collins. Yeah. Brene Brown had him on her podcast a couple of months ago. And he's, uh, it's a book that he's repurposed. It's a new edition of B. Okay. And I, I love that book. Um, okay. I love Brene Brown. So anything she yes. recommends, I just devour. She has a new book coming out too, which I'm already pre-ordered. I'm super excited about Yes. Um, that was a great book. And it's a little deeper. It's not just a business book, but we need more than just that, right? I mean, For sure. We, we definitely have other things. Of course, you know, I think I follow Seth Godin, you know, yep. I think his books are great. What am I forgetting? The um, Essentialism? Yes, Essentialism. That's one you recommended to me that I love. Did you have um, you read as a new one? So I that's, haven't. That's Greg McEwen, M-C-K-E-O-W-N, Essentialism. I read that like every six months, but he has a new one called Effortless. Okay. Going to Amazon now. Yeah. It's so good. Cause it's all about like, it doesn't have to be hard. Like that. Idea. And so when you're talking about frictionless, like a lot of the things that you just were talking about it, are very aligned with that whole mojo. Huh. Atomic habits also. Oh, thing. I was going to say atomic habits or what's yeah. the other one? That's James Clear. Similar. James Clear. And then there's atomic habits and small habits. They're, they're very similar, but they oh, have yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, so, Tiny habits or something. Tiny like habits. That. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, you to- you to- that's just good for life because, yeah. um, you know, like for me, I'm always fighting the, I'm always fighting the battle of health, right? You know, being healthier. So mm-hmm. I have to, you know, atomic. So these are books you can lean into beyond your business, your, for your mental health, for your physical health, for your business health. All those things are important. Uh, the luxury strategy and yeah. Like, yeah. I'm drawing a complete blank. It's like, I'd never read a book in my life all of a sudden. Just I know. Well, when you get put on the spot, I know. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll link to all of our favorites in the show notes. So as president of PPA, your, your days of president are rapidly dwindling. Dwindling. Yes. And so I would love for you as president of PPA to thousands of photographers throughout the world that are in the five people that are probably listening to this. What's your overall message? What's your message? What would you like to encourage based on what we've talked about today? What are your thoughts? Okay. Well, you know, so that'll be a hard one, but because you know me, I'm not not a woman of few words. (laughs) So my biggest message this year (laughs) is kind of been in this, oh boy, this doesn't sound good, but I'm going to say it and then I'm going to hopefully explain it. But if I can do this, you can do this. And I don't mean that from anything. And, and, I, and I'm not trying to get any feedback from anybody. It's just, I am a overweight 53-year-old woman, <laughs> a very proud mom, very proud wife, very, you know, I'm, I'm just a girl who like just worked hard. Now you have to work hard, but I was able to find the right mentors and the right people in my life to help me grow a business that I do love. I made a lot of mistakes and you're going to stumble, but you get up. And you take the time you need if you're tired, rest. Mm-hmm. Take the time you need and then go back. Don't give up and be intentional with your goal setting and what you want and celebrate every little win. Every mm, little win. a hard one for me. 
Me too. And I suck at it, but I'm trying a lot harder. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how I ended up here, Allison. I, I don't. I mean, I look around, I'm president of this amazing association and I get to volunteer and do a job I love. I have two kids that, of course, I think, you know, hung the moon. I have the best friends in this industry. And I must have done something right along the way. But I know that the one thing I did is I did keep getting up and figuring out how to fail fast, fail forward, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and being okay with failure and not taking it as a, you know, well, then I'm just done, you know, crossing yeah. arms and stomping my foot yeah. and saying just it's Just never over. quitting. Yeah. yeah, just not quitting. But I do valuing your health to the point where if you're tired, rest. I mean, mm-hmm. I, that was a hard one for me for a long time. And I used to be so proud of how busy I was. Yeah. Bad so tomorrow. proud. And I'd look at the other moms kind of like, huh. Slacker. Busy is. Yeah. And now I'm like, well, you're a jerk. Why would you even think that? You don't, that's not your cross to bear. Don't worry about what other people right. are doing. But, uh, you know, I just believe in yourself. And again, that mindset book, I mean, when I tell you that was a game changer for me, if I hadn't, if that book hadn't been gifted to me at that moment and I hadn't have been opened it reading it because I was sitting in bed doing nothing else, I don't know how things would have turned out. I mean, they may have worked out eventually the, the way they did, but. Dang, it definitely was just an eye opener for me. So it's, I have it's to think game, of the growth. It's such a game changer, especially if you are like a type A kind of mm-hmm. like a driver. Mm-hmm. It definitely helps you get out of your own way in a big way. Well, and the thing, just knowing you, the little bit that I do, you know, we're <laughs> colleagues and friends, but we're on opposite ends of the country. So we don't see each other very often. But the thing that I know about you is that you are always willing to try something new. You're always down for, to help. You're, you're a helper, you're a lifter, you are a facilitator and enabler in the best sense of that word. Like you help to enable people to be better and to lift. And you're always willing to educate and answer questions and, and help. And you've helped me in many, many, so many ways, ways that you probably don't even realize. And I think you have also, as these questions have come up for your business, I see at least how it looks to me is that rather than saying all the reasons why you can't do it, you've maybe just said, well, how can I, how can I do that? Yes. Thank you. And thank you for all the kind words. And I feel the same about you. I, we're kind of like soul sisters that very rarely see each other, but we, there's always a, we never, we can always fall into an amazing conversation and I always learn, but you know, it comes from maybe our backgrounds. I don't know. And I, I don't, I can't speak for you because I don't know, but growing up, I always lean into this comment that somebody made a long time ago, but I grew up in a very, my dad died when I was very young and my mom was a single mom, never worked a day in her life. And she was determined to keep us in parochial school. It's important for us to go to Catholic school. Now, granted, we went to the poorest Catholic school, like the poorest one in the town, but she did it. You know, she worked three jobs and got us through. But we were also growing up in that environment, even though it was quote unquote private school, we were always selling something, spaghetti suppers, fish fries. Mm. And, you know, we always, we all had the cafetorium. So everything we did (laughs) involved picking up and putting down chairs. (laughs) So you grow up picking up the chairs or putting out the chairs because you're going to, maybe it's a basketball game right now, but it's going to be Sunday dinner (laughs) in three hours. So, you know, I just always grew up that I was never too good to roll up my sleeves and, and pitch in and I can follow as well as I can lead. And I think that helps me stay a little bit better balanced, Yeah, a little better balanced than normal. I, I don't, I don't know, but I, I give a lot of grace to my, my mom and the way that she raised us for sure. 
I love your mom. She is one of a kind for sure. Pretty awesome. Yeah. She's awesome. <laughs> well, I think mothers is like a great place to leave this. And I feel like we mother each other and we've mothered this industry in some, in lots of ways. So that's awesome. I thank you so much for your time. I, re- I appreciate you so much. And You're thank so you for welcome. being here. I'm honored to be on here. Congratulations. I love hearing your podcast. I love seeing your face and thanks for having me. Thanks, man. You can find more great resources from Allison at do the rework.com and on Instagram at do dot the dot rework.